0: For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into the vineyard. And when he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idly in the market. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. And when he again went out about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why are you standing here idly all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those who were hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last workers only worked one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, am I am doing you no wrong? Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to the last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
1: I'd like to begin by thanking the choir for that wonderful anthem and Bonnie. And also, thanks to Julie for stepping in and leading us on piano today. It has been beautiful to hear. I forgot to make an announcement earlier, but it's a really cool thing, and I want to make sure you all know about it. Canton United Methodist Church had a group stay in our annex building this weekend, and they were assisting with tornado relief efforts in the neighborhood. And so we give thanks for them. I don't know if any of them are present with us this morning, but... um, We want to give thanks to them for their service, and it's always great to celebrate those moments of church connection with each other. Um, My father is here with us this morning over here. He came came into town to help us unload boxes, which was very much needed, and um, when I told him that I was going to be preaching on this text, there was a, uh, a flurry of ironic laughter because my dad knows that My function in my siblings was to be the fair police. I was the one that was always making sure things were fair, and I kept tabs on who got what and when, and I was really quick to point it out. Uh, So if you hear some ironic laughter floating around, it's probably coming from somewhere in that corner. Could be coming from my wife, Caroline, too. Uh, As a reminder, we are in a series on the parables of Jesus. This is the fourth week of a five-week series. Andrew is going to finish this out next week. But today we're going to be looking at the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And as a reminder, Jesus taught in parables because Jesus knew that we're pretty bad at listening to ideas, but we're really good at listening to stories. And um, I'll preface the story by saying that this parable is not without some friction, especially for people like me who like things to be fair. And that's okay. If Jesus' stories never had friction and never made us uncomfortable, then we wouldn't be growing. And so it's a good reminder of that. But this is a story about justice and what does justice look like. And it reminds me of a different story with the same general topic. Um, It's a story I encountered a few years ago, and it's called Les Miserables. Has anyone ever heard of or seen Les Miserables? Yeah, So it's a novel by Victor Hugo, but it was adapted into a musical, and that musical had a few movie adaptations. And so the one that I knew it by was the Hugh Jackman adaptation, uh, a.k.a. Wolverine. But the story of Les Mis wrestles with, with this question of what does justice look like, and what do people deserve? The main character of the story is a man named Jean Valjean, which is a really fun name to say, Jean Valjean. And Jean Valjean stole from a market in order to feed himself and his family. So he stole, he broke the law, he was caught, and he was thrown into prison. And he escapes from prison and lives his life on the run, running from the punishment that is pursuing him. And the, that punishment pursuing him is embodied in this person named Inspector Javert who is played by Russell Crowe, who had kind of this Captain Crunch hat on in the movie. But Inspector Jovert is obsessed with bringing Jean Valjean to justice. Jovert's definition of justice is this. People need to get what they deserve. As far as Javert is concerned, the issue is black and white. Jean Valjean stole from someone. He broke the law. He escaped from prison. He broke the law again. Then he deserves punishment and Javert is going to make sure that he gets it. And part of me, as the fair police, agrees with this. Inspector Javert is trying to uphold the law, and Jean Valjean broke it. There were witnesses. No question about it. There's a part of me that insists that people that do wrong should get what they deserve, and that's exactly what Javert is pursuing here. Jean Valjean deserves some type of punishment. Inspector Jaubert would say that he is bringing Jean Valjean to justice. Our world seems to define justice in that way. People should get what they deserve. And that's actually what prompts Jesus to tell this parable. So, normally when Jesus tells a parable, it's to a very large crowd of people. But in this specific instance, Jesus is telling it just to his inner group of the disciples. You see, the disciples were in this mood where they were thinking of how much they had given up and how they were here at the start of this new kingdom of God movement on the ground level. And they were fantasizing about what that meant they would receive. Peter goes up to Jesus and asks him, what will we get since we gave up everything to follow you? And afterwards, two of the disciples, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, also called sons of thunder because they had a temper. It's funny because it's not actually them, it's their mom who goes up to Jesus with her two sons in tow and says, Jesus, I want you to do me a favor. When this new kingdom of God thing happens and you're sitting on your throne, I want you to make sure that James is on your right hand and John is on your left. That's all I ask, just this one small favor. (laughs) And Jesus responds by saying, I don't think y'all understand what this kingdom of God thing is. I want to remind you, that you don't understand the cup that you were asking to drink from. Remember, power works differently in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. And then, helpfully, Jesus tells this story to explain what he means. And the story goes like this. There's a landowner who goes into the market to hire workers to work in his vineyard for the day. And this wasn't uncommon for the time. Most people didn't have a job that had pension and retirement and a salary. Most people were just trying to make ends meet day to day. It was an agrarian society, so people worked on farms. So there was always a large group of people in the market that were waiting for work for the day. And we don't get a whole lot of information about this particular group of people, but we can probably safely make some assumptions We can probably assume that everyone in that crowd of people waiting for work really wants work and wants it desperately. Most people who work these daily labor-intensive jobs didn't have a safety net to fall back on. They needed this money to survive and to eat today. And we can probably assume that there were certain folks in this crowd who were used to being the very first ones hired, and there were certain folks in the crowd that were used to being the very last. And remember, this is an agrarian farm society, so it's not that hard to imagine how that tier in society might have worked. That first group was probably young, strong, able-bodied, healthy men hired early in the morning. And then there were other folks kind of beneath them that got hired next. Older men, perhaps women that didn't have a source of income and needed to work. Or maybe foreigners like a Samaritan who, though they worked well, people looked down on them in society for... Not worshipping the right way or not practicing the right things. And finally, at the very bottom, there were societal outcasts who almost never got hired for anything. These were people with leprosy or severe disabilities or those known to be criminals. These folks needed food and work just like everybody else and would often be reduced to begging if no work was available for them. And so the landowner shows up at the market, and there's this whole crowd of people before him, and this is at sunrise. This is around 6 a.m., and he hires that first round of workers, which again, we could probably assume are strong, able-bodied men, and he makes a promise to them. And I want you to pay special attention to the promises of the landowner in this story because they're all distinct, and that's important. For this first group, the landowner specifically promises that he will pay them the usual daily wage, which is one denarius, and they agree. They say that's fair, and they go and begin their work in the vineyard. Now, it doesn't say why, but the landowner goes back to the market at 9 a.m., and he sees that a lot of these people from the crowd are still there, and it's probably that next tier of workers, right? Older men, women, foreigners. And the landowner tells them, hey, you need work. Go to my vineyard and work there. And the wording here is key. He makes them a different promise. He doesn't promise them to pay them a denarius. He promises this group that he will pay them what is right. The Greek word used for right here is dikaios. And dikaios literally means righteous or just or in line with God's will. And so what the landowner is promising is, go work in my vineyard, and I promise you, I will pay you what is fair according to God's eyes. The landowner goes back at noon, halfway through the workday, and he sees more people waiting for work, and he says the same thing, go to the vineyard. And then he goes back at three o'clock, sees more folks waiting for work, and says the same thing, go to the vineyard, and I will pay you what is right. And they go. Finally, at 5 p.m., y'all, the workday ended at 6. This is one hour before closing time. 5 p.m., the landowner goes back to the market, and there's just that last tier of society. And the landowner asks them, why are you standing here idle all day? Why aren't you working? And they respond, because no one's hired us. And he tells them, go to the vineyard." Now, if you notice, he doesn't promise this group anything. He doesn't say, I'll pay them a fair day's wage. He doesn't promise he will pay them what is right. He just says, go to the vineyard, and they do. Now, I want you to buckle in to your seat, because here's where things get a little spicy. Here's where the friction comes in. From an HR perspective, what happens next is a total nightmare. (laughs) The landowner tells his manager, you know what? Line up everyone according to how long they have been working today, with the people who arrived latest over here and the people who arrived earliest over here, and pay those last people first in front of everybody. And to everyone's surprise, the manager goes up and pays them a full day's wage for one hour of work, a full denarius. And then the manager goes down the line, and next is the 3 p.m. group. They've only worked three hours, and they get a full day's wage. He keeps going down. The noon crew gets a full day's wage, and then the 9 a.m. crew gets a full day's wage. And finally, the manager arrives at the first group. They're the sweatiest of the bunch. They have had a 12-hour workday. They've been working in the hot sun, and they have certainly worked harder than everyone else. And they are so excited about what they are about to receive. Because if those folks just got a denarius, how much more are they going to get, right? They were here on the ground level. They deserve more than anyone else. It's plain for anybody to see. But they are disappointed when they receive, just like everyone else, one denarius, one full day's wage. And I love this. In response, the scripture says they grumble against the landowner. (laughs) I think that's probably a charitable word for the words that were exchanged after this took place. Some grumbling. After all, it's so unfair. It is. They worked harder and longer than everyone else, and they got paid the same amount. It's unfair. It is unfair. And then we hear the landowner's reasoning. He says, and I quote, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I'm being generous? So the last shall be first and the first shall be last. The landowner seems to say to this first group, you think you deserve more, but don't you have everything that you need? Does it bother you that I'm being generous to these other people that don't? The story is hard to read because it contrasts our idea of fairness with God's generosity. It doesn't compute with our world's definition of justice. Folks in the story don't get what they deserve. But that's what the parable's saying. What if that definition of justice is wrong? What if God's definition of justice is centered around grace? What if God's justice, kingdom justice, is based not on what we deserve, but what God knows that we need. I want you to think back to Les Miserables. Jean Valjean is on the run, in need of justice, in need of some kind of correction. And I told you about Inspector Javert, this man who is obsessed with trying to imprison Jean Valjean once again so that he can get what he deserves. But there's another character in the story that shows shows up and demonstrates a different type of justice. Jean Valjean is wandering, homeless and alone, and he can't find a place to sleep. And so he falls asleep on the steps of a church. And the bishop of the church finds him there, and he invites him inside and treats him as an honored guest. He heats up a fire for Jean Valjean and brings him a warm meal and some water and a change of clothes and a bed to sleep in. He treats Jean Valjean not as a criminal, but as an honored guest. And it, it seems like finally, finally, Jean Valjean has caught a break. But then in a gut-wrenching twist in the story, Jean Valjean betrays the bishop. He spurns the bishop's hospitality. In the middle of the night, he steals all the silver and valuables that he can carry and leaves the church and runs away. Well, in the morning, Jean Valjean gets caught and beaten by the police, and they drag him back to the church with all of his goods in tow. And they bring him to the bishop, and they say, Bishop, we found this man red-handed with all of the church's stolen goods, and he had the nerve to say, you gave him this. And the bishop, surprising everyone in the room, says, That's right, I did give it to him. And as a matter of fact, my honored guest left so early that he left the best things behind. And he turns around and he takes the two silver candlesticks on the table where they shared a meal together and hands them to Jean Valjean. He hands them to the man who just stole from the church. And the policemen are dismissed. (laughs) They leave and the bishop tells Jean Valjean that he should use this silver to become an honest man, to make himself right with God. There was mercy in the bishop's forgiveness, and then there was grace in the additional gift that Jean Valjean received. This is perhaps the first time in his life that Jean Valjean has experienced grace, and it changes him. It transforms him. He begins to try to live as a righteous man, as the bishop said, doing the right thing, living kind and charitably so that he can be like that bishop who in that moment was Christ for him. That is a different kind of justice. That is a transforming grace, not a reward or a punishment. Like the workers in the parable, it's easy for us to be caught up in complaining about not getting what we deserve or arguing that others deserve less or that we deserve more. The world's definition of justice is so focused on exactly this, obsessing over making sure people get what they deserve. But the parable shows us that God's justice is not focused on what people deserve. God's justice is focused on what people need. And what we need is transforming grace. What we need is to be in the vineyard. God has work for us there. It doesn't matter if you get there last or first. If you're the strongest or the slowest, the oldest or the youngest, God's gift is the same. Mercy to forgive you. Grace to transform you. An abundant life in a kingdom that celebrates when our neighbors get what they need. Amen.